presents welcome to american roots outdoors we're in the studio we've got with us here today what's your name Kaser. i you said it right Kaser ekman we've got the director of uh, american roots outdoors radio redbone mike Crace, also wayne Locke, our brand manager and uh, director of the podcast guys we've got a great show lined up and you said hi didn't you Kaser? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But anyway, we got a great show as always lined up for y'all. We got a special guest on the show, uh, a guy that's done a lot for the NWTF and done a lot for conservation, Mr. Rob Keck. He'll be on the show today, Wayne. I, I think I've heard that name before. <laughs> I'm not sure. What about you, Redbone? Uh, yeah, I was trying to think where, and, I, and probably from his association with the NWTF. Oh, yeah. What a or, big or, name. And the other dozens of things that he's done. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to talk about him later. He'll be on the second part of the show. But uh, let's talk about local announcements. Talk about, hey, let's talk about world announcements, too. What about this coronavirus? Let's touch on that real quick. Oh, man. It's well, got people all shook up. And toilet papers, you can't yeah. buy toilet paper, hand sanitizer, guys. Share your thoughts. Well, my wife thinks it's a conspiracy that the government is on right now, that they're not telling us uh, more, you know, of what it is, actually is, and they're just trying to keep a lot of things under wrap. But I don't know. It's uh, it's a little crazy. I mean, a lot of people say, well, it's not as bad as the swine flu. The swine flu killed a lot more people, but the swine flu is not nearly as contagious, and I think that's probably the, one of the biggest things that separates the corona. Yeah, the thing the thing about the, the, the COVID-19, and I like to say it that way because there mm. there are dozens of coronavirus. Correct. Oh, really? I mean, yes. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cattle get coronavirus. You can buy yeah. you can buy shots to give your cattle. Make sure they don't get coronavirus. But huh. it's a different strain. Uh, but the thing about it is, is it spreads so fast. Apparently, and so easily. You know, now there have been, and, and we're recording on Thursday, two NBA players that have got it. The NBA has suspended their season. Yep. Uh, Thursday morning, uh, the Power Five basketball conferences. The uh, SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10, uh, the American Conference, and uh, NCAA. And all the others, all the, they, have, they have canceled their postseason tournaments, and it looks like the NCAA tournament will not happen. You know, Wednesday night they said, well, we're going to have the tournament, but we're not going to have fans. And now there's a great call that says, you know what, just don't have it at all. Right. Uh, and, you know, the NBA suspended their season. I think, I think the National Hockey League is probably going to do that at some point. Major League Baseball probably isn't going to start on time. This thing is so contagious. And, and I know it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, end of the world thing coming here. But, but people have to be very careful mm-hmm. uh, because you don't want to get it. I mean, it's worse than the flu mm-hmm. uh, or they wouldn't be hospitalizing people that have it. Uh, and it, and it's so contagious that you have to be, you know, quarantined. I can tell you one thing, though. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I saw a friend of mine. He was wearing a, a Dallas Cowboys jersey and a Chicago Cubs hat. <laughs> and I know he doesn't like either team. I said, what are you doing? He said, 
He said, well, I'm wearing these so I don't catch the uh, coronavirus because they don't catch anything. <laughs> oh, man, low blow. So so just to clarify everything, it's it's probably more serious than people think it is? or uh, Well, uh, yes. and especially if you're elderly. If yeah. you're 70 years old or older and you have any kind of health conditions, I mean, the chance of you getting it is just so dramatically increased. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's one of the reasons I myself am going to stop having birthdays. I'm not going to approach the age of 70 anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to stay yeah. my, my yeah. young age of 52 right now, and, and we'll go from there. But no, it's it's just contagious. And, and I, my recommendation is if you have a family member in a nursing home or in a hospital, don't visit them. No, Use no, the phone, can't. just call them. Yeah, you can't. Now, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of nursing homes shut the doors yep. to all visitors, and, and hospitals are doing the same thing. No children now can visit hospitals. Right. Uh, most hospitals nationwide have, have banned children from visiting. So uh, it, it's something pretty serious. And, and the economic impact, guys, is just going to be tremendous. You know, cattle prices are, are dropping like, I mean, you know, cattle prices are $35, uh, 35 cents, 100 less than they were just three weeks ago. I mean, mm. you know, $150 calf, you know, now is bringing 100 I mean, it's it, it just unreal. Yeah, the, down, the Dow's down 1,900 points this morning yeah, already. Dow's down. Although the point I'll make there is it's still way above where everybody is. Oh, that's so true. Was. I remember <laughs> when I was in high school, 1979, yeah. Yeah. I had a sales and marketing class, and we studied the, the stock market and the Dow and the NASDAQ and all that stuff. Matter of fact, we picked stocks and said we had money. And, but anyway, our, our, at that time, 1979, our, our instructor, uh, Dr. Loyal, uh, Dr. Uh, Royce, uh, Lyle Royce was his name, he said, the Dow will never get above 1,300. That it's impossible. The Dow in this country will never get about, and now it's at twenty two hundred. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. There so you it's go. still way above. And it had a thir- it had a thirteen hundred gain yesterday. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, <laughs> so anyway, we've talked coronavirus. We've talked stock market. Let's talk about some local stuff going on. Uh, that's what we do usually the first part of the show. Right. Uh, Birch Tree, Missouri. We had our chamber of commerce meeting yesterday, and we have a, a proud announcement to make uh, right here on our radio show. Uh, Birch Tree Bank, you know, moved and sold, Landmark sold to Simmons Bank, uh-huh. and Simmons Bank shut the Birch Tree Bank down. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it is public now. Talk to Mr. Randall Combs of Alton Bank. They are the new owners of the Birch Tree Bank, everybody. Oh, very good. So they are hiring people. They're looking at people's resumes. Uh, they will be open and be able to go to the bank. They got an agreement with Simmons not to open the bank for three months because of FDIC rules and all that. So three to five months, five months they should be rolling. Our bank will be open in Birch Tree, Missouri. Right. Right. And another thing that uh, is going on is that we have Mercy Clinic. Yeah, let's talk about that. Mercy Clinic is now going to be running two full-time days, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, I believe, Mm -hmm. and every other Wednesday. Wednesday. And we've got two new nurse practitioners. Yes, Yep. So that's so that a lot of good open. news for Birch Tree, yep. and uh, a lot of other good news in surrounding areas that listen to our show. You know, uh, a lot of good things are happening, even though we have the coronavirus going on in our communities. I, I, I guess to sum that up, back to coronavirus, just be careful, everybody, and uh, wash your you hands. Know, don't be shaking hands, bump fists or bump elbows, and carry yeah, uh, sanitizer with you. And uh, if you don't have to go to a public place with a lot of people, uh, don't go. Yeah. And Wayne said it best. Wash your hands. Right. That is I am. I've become right a germaphobe. Yeah. And if you're using the Germax and those other hand sanitizers, 
they've got to have at least 70 or 60 percent alcohol. Yeah, right. The one I've got's got 70 percent. Yeah. Well, I'm going to use some of that in a minute. And, and, I, anyway. and I understand that uh, a lot of the guys that make moonshine, they're now selling it as hand sanitizer. I'll guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to me. <laughs> hey, also, we got a new business in Birch Tree, Missouri, the Birch Tree Event Center, owned by Scotty and Maxine Start. That's where we had our chamber meeting. And, man, what a beautiful facility. Oh, yeah. And if, uh, if you get a chance, get on the uh, Birch Tree Chamber of Commerce page. Uh, you'll see a post I put on there yesterday with some pictures of the uh, facility. It's It's gorgeous. And yes, the food, the food, well, the food is was fabulous. Yeah, it's fabulous. Also, we'll make notes, and we're going to break real quick. Uh, Piney Creek Farm and Auto, mm-hmm. Alt, Missouri. We're going to have a turkey camp around the 1st of April down there. We're going to talk turkey hunting, hot dogs, hamburgers, and I'm going to be down there talking turkey hunting. They're carrying my turkey calls, and uh, hope to see you all there. We're going to go to a break, everybody, and we come back. we got Mr. Rob Keck, legendary hunter, and a guy that done a lot for the NWTF. And he's doing a lot for conservation now. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector. And you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Across the creek up a big old hill. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. This is segment two of the show. And as promised, we got our very special guest. This guy has done so much for the Wild Turkey and for the National Wild Turkey Federation and conservation. And Mr. Rob Keck is on the line with us, everybody. What a great guest. Thanks for being on the show, Rob. Where you at? Where you at today? Hey, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here Uh, uh, at, you know, my... My great, great pleasures in life, one of them goes back to a turkey hunt we did in Florida. And, yes, sir. You know, now to connect with you again right here at the beginning of the season, and Florida's open and uh, brings back great memories. Yes, I will never forget that, and we're going to talk about that hunt later on in the show. And, uh, Rob, again, I, I'm repeating, you're a very humble person. You're a very intelligent person, and you have a true passion for conservation. And uh, I just want to, to start... So all the listeners across the world can understand, and a lot of people knows Rob Keck, millions of people. Where was Rob Keck born and raised? Well, I grew up in a little village in Mountville, Pennsylvania, just about four miles from the Susquehanna River. Lived right on the edge of town, and I could uh, literally walk from my front door and hunt all day long and never have to worry about asking permission every farmer we knew of course the farm my dad grew up on was just across the hill and uh you know it was a place that uh gave me a lot of opportunity to explore to trap to hunt to fish and uh i look back in those days with great fond memories fond memories man i tell you i was just in pennsylvania last weekend i flew into state college and i spoke at a church event uh, in a little town over there in uh, Flemington Church of Christ in Allison Township. Do you know where that's at? I'm not sure of the township, but if you name the town, I'll know where it is because I spent many, many days in that part of the world. It was about 40 miles north of State College. We was right on, uh, there was two rivers that come together there in a the little bitty town. I can't remember the name of the town, but uh, we had a sold-out crowd there, and I spoke at a church. I talked turkey hunting in my faith. But uh, what a great turnout. But what beautiful country. 
the rivers are crystal clear just like here in the Ozarks, everybody. And all the people was friendly, Rob, and uh, just just a beautiful. <laughs> and they say they got a lot of bear there. I, I uh, well, they do. They got a lot of bear all around Pennsylvania. But you know, you said about the country being beautiful and the, mm-hmm. and the people so nice. If you remember back uh, when George Bush ran for his second term in office, mm-hmm. he said the state of Pennsylvania has Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and everything in between is Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, a lot of good country folks. There is, and hardworking people. And when I was up there, the economy, everybody was working. Everybody's working up there, and you see, you go through these towns. When I they picked me up at the airport, all the houses was clean, the yards was clean. And, you know, Carpentry's taken off, and Mr. Mark Traster, a friend, picked me up that booked me, and he said his, his, uh, he's booked for over a year and a half in his construction business right now. The economy's yeah, picked but, up up there. So, well, I think uh, the Trump effect has certainly had a, an impact on the housing industry around the country. I mean, I see it here in South Carolina, a lot of construction, home construction going on, and mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, we're living in, in the golden years, really, of this country in many respects. Some people won't agree with that, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of wildlife, we live in the golden years yes. of fish and game. And uh, a lot of people just, uh, they don't realize where it came from. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hunters and anglers, the guys that paid the bill to make all this happen so everybody can enjoy it. Wow. What great words, Blaine. Oh, no doubt. I... Redbone. Yeah. It's, t- it's the truth. Oh, it's and it's come a long way. I mean, it just as far as I'm concerned, Rob. To me, you uh, next to President Roosevelt, you've done more for conservation yeah, than anybody. That I, if anybody looks at your resume, which is and then compared it to what Roosevelt did, they'd be like, "Man, these guys are almost neck and neck." Well, I can't, I can't agree with you on that. I mean, Roosevelt, his <laughs> power, his reach, his influence, way beyond anybody ever in this country. I think all of us just aspire to to try to live up to some of those challenges that he gave to all of us to to put more back than we take away and to really appreciate the good gifts that God's given to us. And, uh, you know, so many people take for granted, you know, the, the wildlife that we enjoy, the great natural resources. You mentioned clean water, clean air. Uh, I mean, there's been so many people that have been part of this great, great story. And, uh, you know, you guys are piling on a lot of accolades to me, but let me tell you, nobody does it by themselves. I've had great mentors. I've had a great team that assembled uh, at the NWTF mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, since that time with Johnny Morris and his commitment to conservation. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got such a great team doing great things way beyond just wild turkeys. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, great stuff there. What I want to do is we'll get back to the subject of where you was born. Uh, what year was you born, Rob, and, and what school did you attend, and did you play sports? They <laughs> didn't have schools where I lived. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was born in 1950, so now I'm really giving, giving my age away, yes, but are. I feel like I'm a 40-year-old. Oh, yeah. You know, I hunted mountain goats a couple months ago, and I could still climb and still go, and good yeah. Lord's blessed me with a whole lot of talents, but, uh, you know, I went to school at uh, little old country school, Hempfield High School, and uh, played sports. I played football, track. I started in basketball, which I love, but it cut into hunting season way too much. <laughs> and when I missed practice one day, the coach started chewing me out, and I said, you know, buddy, 
I said, you just helped me make a decision. That's I'd right. rather hunt than play basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, man. You know, uh, Rob Keck, an athlete, is like a lot of the country folks around this country, Redbone. Yeah. And you hear that a lot from kids, you know, that, that look athletic or maybe are athletic that don't play sports or, or maybe don't play basketball uh, that are football players. And why not? They say, well, we like to turkey hunt. Basketball goes in turkey season you know, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Right. Well, you know what? Well, I, like I can say that you know, they like to fish. organized sports teaches a young person a lot. It taught me an awful lot about teamwork mm-hmm. and about what it takes to, to make a championship team and the effort that you've got to put forth and – Sometimes you've got to give and take, mm-hmm. and uh, you do it for the betterment of your team, which equates to me longer down the road uh, to do your best with your team wherever you work, uh, to do the best for your country, uh, to do the best in your church. I mean, all those kinds of things, I think, are taught uh, when you play organized sports. I mean, I played, you know, Little League baseball and uh you know, football from little on up right to college. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it was something that, uh, you know, I just thrived on. And, uh, you know, to me, I think that many of those lessons in life uh, are, are lifelong lessons that you learn mm-hmm. when you play in organized sports. Yes, yes, yes. I would agree. I agree. Rob, I want you to think about this. We're going to talk about what college you attended when we come back. We're going to go to a break. Okay. And we want everybody to stay with us. You're just joining us. It's Rob Keck, legend, a true legend of conservation, <laughs> on the show with us today. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right here. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutt. Welcome back to American Reach Outdoors, gentlemen, ladies that's listening, kids listening. Again, we got the legend, true legend of conservation, Mr. Rob Keck. And we just talked about his, where he was born, uh, his beliefs and uh, uh, his hunting, uh, where he grew up, what schools he attended, what sports he played. Now, we're going to talk to him about what college he attended and uh, as we do that, I also want to ask you this question. I know you can remember your first gobbler you killed. Let's talk about I that can. and talk about your college. Well, for me, it was a very memorable weekend. It was Friday afternoon in 1963. I was in biology class, seventh grade. And uh, the announcement came across the loudspeaker that President John F. Kennedy had been shot. And I thought, you know, God, what a tragedy wow. that was. And I thought, is this going to keep my dad and I, my dad, my grandpa, and my uncles from going turkey hunting, which we had planned to leave after school, to drive up to northern Pennsylvania, where we had a hunting camp, and uh, we were going to hunt fall turkeys. And uh, I was, I, I hate to even admit it, I was more worried about uh, whether we were going hunting than the... Uh, future of our country at that point (laughs) but needless to say we we traveled up it was a long discussion on that three-hour ride to hunting camp about what had just happened but uh you know that next day dad and i we struck out across the creek and uh we got to a flock of turkeys and dad tried to get them scattered and we just could not they got away from us but we heard some shots across the valley where my grandpa and my uncles were going. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sounded like they maybe got into them. 
So anyway, when we got back to, we came back to camp just before noontime, and there was a note on the door, and my grandpa had left a message on where they had scattered this this bunch of turkeys. And so went up there on the side of Sullivan Mountain. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and I had a Louis Stevenson box call. It was mm-hmm. one I got for Christmas when I was eight years old. Wow. And uh, anyway, I was yelping on that thing, and I heard this. Gobble. I heard this turkey, but it was a gobbler. It was yelping back to me. Oh, I had a single oh, barrel, oh, oh, hammerless oh. savage. And, uh, man, he just yelped the whole way into me. And he was right on, right on the edge of a patch of mountain laurel. And he popped out, and I drilled him right there. And it was just, it was a thrill beyond any thrill I had ever taken to that point in hunting. It was just, I mean, I was already hooked on the stories that my dad and my grandpa talked about turkeys and turkey hunting and now I actually got to to, to kill my first one and uh, you know just laid the groundwork for where I ultimately ended up and you done it fall hunting most people red bone wine kill kill harvest the first gobbler in the spring yeah because it's generally considered uh, you know an easier hunt not that any of them are easy when you're hunting turkeys but a little simpler I guess I could say in the spring. Yeah, yeah. more aggressive in the springtime coming yeah. in the cold. Yeah, it, you know, hunting old gobblers in the fall is tough. Uh, mm-hmm. Most times, uh, if you can scatter a, a gang of gobblers in the fall, you know, oftentimes they'll they'll call pretty wildly to get mm-hmm. back together. Yet there'll be others that they may not call till the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and you sit there and wait at the break point. But uh, you know, it just worked out, and uh, I was. I just, you know, it's a time I'll never forget, and uh, it was one then that I shared with, you know, my dad and my uncle. We were back at camp that night. It was just, it was just unreal. And I, I bet that had to be emotionally for your family a, a great thing because it took their mind off of what just happened that, you know, yeah. devastated the nation, and here they were able to take their mind off of it and celebrate something with you. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, and, uh, you know, I hate to relate that great experience mm-hmm. on such a tragic day, tragic weekend. And uh, but you know, sometimes our memories are just attached to events that happen like that. And, right. Uh, yeah. Just a coincidence that it did. I think the real positive of all that is is one, you got a gobbler. Is two, that is how your family worked together to make that hunt successful. Mm-hmm. Them leaving a note on your door that they'd scattered that group of turkeys. That's what American Roots is about. It's about faith, family, friends, the outdoors, constitutional rights. And what a great story, everybody. If you're just joining us, it's Mr. Rob Keck, a true legend to conservation, a true legend to turkey hunting. And uh, we're getting to hear his stories right here on American Roots Outdoors. And, uh, man, some good stuff. Let's talk about your college years. You went to college. We we know about your first turkey. You're going to college now. And what was your major, and where'd you go to college? (laughs) I went to Millersville at that time, called Millersville State College. It's now one of the uh, 13 state universities in the university system of Pennsylvania. It's now Millersville State University. Most people don't realize that my degree is actually in art illustration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. somehow at the during the last semester, the head of the department came to me and said they had a position, a teaching position, where they needed somebody that was physically big and strong <laughs> because they'd gone through nine consecutive teachers in nine consecutive years, art teachers in this one school district, <laughs> and said, look, we'll weigh the student teaching. If it doesn't work out, you still have your 
BA degree, but you also have a teaching certificate. So I ended up, I taught there one year, and I made the 10th consecutive <laughs> teacher. And I left him for the first year because I actually had a better offer to teach up in the mountains of Pennsylvania and Perry County. And uh, I spent another four and a half years up there teaching art, but I was at a place where my grandfather had his first hunting camp, and uh, I could literally trout fish right out the back door on the Buffalo Creek. I could look out on the mountain, hear turkeys gobble, mm. trapped red foxes there, and I mean, I was just in heaven. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, back to the college thing, uh, was really blessed to have uh, a lot of outdoor activities because we're... Our college is located, I mean, it, uh, some, it's not as rural now as it once was, but uh, I could coon hunt from there. Mm-hmm. I trapped, in fact, I trapped muskrats, paid for all my gas all four years of, of college. I love it. And huh. uh, then over spring break, you know, it seems like spring break, everybody wanted to go to Florida. Well, buddy Carl Brown and I and another buddy, we decided we weren't going to Florida, but we were going south. Mm-hmm. We were going to Alabama because spring turkey season was open during spring break. <laughs> I love and so it. Love that's it. what we spent uh, spring break. Killed my first spring gobbler down there in 1969. In fact, killed two gobblers on that first trip down there. And uh, it was just just a delight to be able to, to go to a place that uh, I'd read about, heard about, and uh, to go to a state that had the longest spring season ever of any state. And uh, it was a place where I met a guy that uh, he showed me how to call on a nickel snuff can. I and, love it. Uh, yeah. that sort of led its way to me adapting that snuff can to a, a plastic pill bottle, which then led me to uh, eventually calling the Pennsylvania State Turkey Calling Contest, and the first time I tried it, I uh, took fourth, and then the following year when I Beautiful. started really getting into mouth calling, I actually won it out of almost 60 callers. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a beast, man. We're going to take another break here, Mr. Keck. And right. everybody, you're hearing the American roots story of Rob Keck, man. Uh, from the time he's born to the time he went through high school and college, his first gobbler, his first spring gobbler in 1969. We're going to go to a break. We'll have more with Mr. Rob Keck after this. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, Ozark Herd Bowl. Hornady presents... Welcome back again to American Roots Outdoors, and what a wonderful show, Redbone, Wayne, we're having here great with job. Legend. I feel like I grew up with Rob Keck. Oh, well, what great <laughs> content and what stories he's telling, Wayne. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like uh, Redbone just said, you know, I grew up with him because I remember watching <laughs> Turkey Call on, on TV, and at the time, I, I can't remember if it was TNN, I think, was, or, it was. or it ESPN2 was. or something. Yeah, one of those, because at the time, there was only a couple stations you could even watch hunting shows. And, and the one thing that was really weird is, and I, I remember this distinctly, is you were like the only hunting show that was on at the time. And uh, if it wasn't fishing, it was your show. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, I, and I, everybody, my, my dad thought that, right. yeah, my dad thought that was weird. He's like, why is there a hunting show on in 
you know, when it should be fishing. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, you know, Rob. You know, the folks at TNN, I went and I just badgered them to death about putting a turkey show, a hunting show, mm-hmm. on first and second quarter. And they said it won't work. They said first and second quarter's fishing. They finally relented and said, okay, we're going to put you in the death slot. 8.30 Saturday morning. Said if you get a point three, we're going to let you continue on the next year. What they didn't realize was what you just said. We were the only hunting show on TNN or ESPN2 that was in the first and second quarter. Well, guess where all the hunters tuned in? Mm. Immediately, we Ooh. went to prime time. <laughs> it's just like yeah, go a figure. no-brainer. So I really feel like a pioneer of bringing hunting you are, you are. to outdoor television in first and second quarter because I was the first to do it. And you worked with Mr. Dave Barton, didn't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, he still messages me once in a while. I, I, I worked with him and through you some. And, uh, man, you, you've done so much. And I know you're a very humble person. And uh, you don't want praised and bragged on, Redbone. But I remember our turkey hunt when you invited me to go to Florida. And I won the Grand National Gobbling Championships in 1988. And Hunter Specialties was one of the major sponsors of Turkey Call and NWTF. And, Rob and I have always talked. Let me tell you about Rob Keck, everybody. He was the CEO of NWTF. He would make an appointment to walk to the Hunter Specialties booth to come and talk to every one of us and shake our hands. He never high-hatted nobody. He always made it a point to come and say hi to us and talk turkey hunting. It was like a family reunion with Rob. I miss you, buddy, there at NWTF. Well, we miss you, too. I mean, it was a family, and, uh, you know, I told everybody, even though we're in the turkey business, we're in the people business, Mm -hmm. number one. And, uh, you know, that's why I wanted it to be, and that's why we were so successful. Yeah. You stayed connected, and and you listened. And you you, you was open-minded to subject matters, things that could help. And uh, you always recognized the grassroots people that helped start chapters and stuff. You know, uh, I, I could go on a rant here. I love the NWTF, but it sure ain't the same it was when you was there, Rob. I'm just going to tell you. Well, you're, you're, you're kind to say that. I just had a great team. I, one thing that uh, the good Lord blessed me was, with was the ability to pick good people. And I just tried to find like-minded people that uh, really valued the interactions of people just like you've talked about. And that's how we took the organization to the heights that uh, it was. I mean, it just... Uh, there was nobody in the conservation world that was doing what we were doing at NWTF. And Raising the money. Of the wild yeah. turkey. I mean, to every state. I was able just two weeks ago to go back to Arizona where we released Gould's turkeys we brought in from Mexico back in 1994, February 2nd of 94. And I bought a commissioner's tag. I've been putting in for the draw, and I just told Susan I may be dead till I finally get drawn. So I bought the commissioner's tag, and... It's a 365-day tag, and I went back and uh, called in a gang of gobblers and got to kill one of the beautiful Gould's turkeys high in the Chiricahua Mountains of uh, southeastern Arizona. That is beautiful. And, you know, uh, Rob, I want to mention some of the successful team members you had. Carl Brown. Uh, Carl Brown, just one of them. And Danny Young. You know, Danny was a good one. And uh, I I can't name them all, but uh, you you had a great team. And, 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 again... Sharing that story, you know, you, where you transplanted turkeys and, and you got to go back and hunt them. I was fortunate enough, Wayne, and I know you want to say something to him. 
to help them release turkeys. They let me release one of the gobblers in Tennessee when they went to release them back in the 80s, wasn't it, Rob, or 90s? Yeah, um, is that the one you uh, took and deep fried then? No, 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 no. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey I probably did later come back and called him up and killed him. I remember we turned him loose at. Probably, probably released him right into the back of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I, I got pictures of that, and I want to tell you again, I, I'm, I'm again talking you up because I have so much respect for you, Rob. Uh, we done our hunt in Florida, and we, we released the gobblers there, and I was a part of that. And I got to release one of them. I got pictures of it. Uh, Rob sent me a thank you card for being a part of it, and, and the thank you card, I've got it to this day, had a breast feather from a gobbler in it with oh, wow. his signature thanking me for being a part of that. Cool. That is class, man. That's what we need more of in this world, and we need more of in businesses and organizations. And, again, I just want to commend you for that, and thank you for letting me be a part of that great memory, and Wayne has something to ask you. Well, the, well thank two, you. Yeah, two things before we get back into the capturing the turkeys and that. Uh, I want to touch on that real quick. But one of the things that stood out in my mind or in memory for you, uh, with you, is that when I met you at the NWTF at the time, I, I didn't start turkey hunting until late in my years. And uh, I was trying to learn how to mouth call, and of course I sounded like I was getting run over by a truck uh, when I sounded mm-hmm. like a you know turkey. He still does. I still do, but <laughs> you know I I was you were passing in the hall, and I recognized your face, and I, I said, hey, can I ask you a quick question? And we started talking for a few minutes, and the fact that a you even stopped to talk to me, you know, to me stood out because there was other people I saw there that were you know celebrities and that, and they would just keep on walking or you know, hi, and just keep on going. You actually stopped, shook yep. my hand, yep. talked to me. But I asked you, I said, you know, I'm, try- I'm trying to learn a mouth call, blah, blah, blah. And you said, listen, if there's one sound, if I can recommend you learn to make, and then you'll guarantee to kill turkeys, and that was the yelp. And I t- to this day, that may be the only sound <laughs> that, that, I, can make. that I can make. <laughs> Wait, as long as it works, why change? You know, that's so true, and it does work. Uh, but uh, that stuck out in my head for so many years, the fact that you took that, that those five minutes out of your time when you were at that show to just tell me, hey, don't give up on it, just keep it up. But the one sound you've got to learn to make is that yelp, and you're guaranteed to start killing birds. But I, l- let's go jump back to the... Um, the capturing of birds, because when you first started capturing birds, you know, let everybody, you know, if you could tell everybody how that started, what equipment you were using at the time, because it's come a long way. Well, it has. Actually, uh, some of the first turkeys that were trapped were trapped in Missouri. Uh, also, at the same time, in South Carolina, it was an adapted uh, cannon net that was used to capture waterfowl. And uh, as time went on, we advanced that to a rocket net. And we literally captured birds that were in great abundance in one place and then moved them to the unoccupied habitat of another. And it's something we did all across the country, uh, even up into Canada. And uh, it was just amazing how it just grew. It, it was something that uh, everybody wanted to be part of, to see a turkey coming out of a box, just like mm. Alex has just explained, releasing one of those. And it really helped propel the organization. It gave people something very simple, the simple picture of a turkey coming out of a box they wanted to support. And we just generated the funds, the manpower, assisted all the state fish and wildlife agencies to to restore those birds back into, you know, the numbers we have today, the golden years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, because of that. Right, and it wasn't just about hunting them. I mean, that's one of the things bird enthusiasts, uh, wildlife enthusiasts, everybody understood the importance of what the NWTF was doing at the time. It wasn't just about going after them and killing them, but it was going yeah. after and just making the population better for everybody to enjoy. But yeah. um, Well, you know, anybody that rides down a country road sees a flock of turkeys or anybody that lives out on the edge of town where there's a little bit of timber and there's turkeys and they wake up and they hear turkeys gobbling and calling, it improves the quality of their life. You don't have to be a hunter to appreciate what's been done. Mm. And so I always say that what we have done as hunters, you know, we've paid the way for conservation. Hunters are the heroes of conservation, and you've improved the life of everybody in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt. Well, hey, speaking of hunting, we're going to get to a story here in our uh, bonus segment of the podcast. But where can people reach you at, Rob, to find out more information about you and what you're doing with Bass Pro and uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of great things at Bass Pro Shops, and the conservation work of Johnny Morris that he set out for us to do as director of conservation, along with my other uh, partner, Bob Zemer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contact me at rskeck at basspro.com or uh, just call our main office number at 417-873-5000. And, uh, you know, we'd be glad to talk conservation and uh Look at the work you're doing and uh, maybe in some way support it. Yeah, it'd be awesome, man, to work with you guys. And, you know, what about that Wonders of the Outdoor World? You know, that, that we're going to talk about that in this bonus segment, too, while we're on it. We're also going to talk about our turkey hunt you and I have done together and about our friendship and some tactics. We're going to go close the show up here for this part of the radio, and uh, we'll get back with you on the bonus part. Thanks for great. listening, everybody. Have a great and safe weekend. So you never got to worry. What the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents... Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. This is Wayne Locke. I'm in the studio with Alex Rutledge, Redbone Mike Crace, and we have Rob Keck on the, well, I guess the phone with us. <laughs> I was going to say in the studio, but no, he's on the phone with us. And if you are and if you are hearing this portion right now, that means you are listening to us on the podcast. We thank you for being a subscriber to our podcast, and uh, make sure you uh, leave us a review because that really helps us out, too. Yeah. So, Rob, uh, we were just talking about, uh, before we went to break here for the radio show, we were talking about capturing birds, relocating them in that, and how it's not only for hunters, but it's for everybody. But let's go back to the hunting section of it. Now, I know Alex, he loves to tell stories about people that he's hunted with, and they can get long and drawn out. <laughs> but I tell you what, when you're riding some of these states that we drive, me and Alex drive to, and we got long nights and that, it, some of the stories are so entertaining. But there was one that he shared with me. Uh, about you and him hunting in the great state of Florida. Uh, why don't you uh, let our uh, subscribers in that know a little bit about that story? Well, I think Alex actually touched on a little bit uh, earlier in the show. And, uh, you know, having won the gobbling, the Grand National Gobbling Championship that year, uh, we tried to take our champions, depending on no matter what division they were in, on a special hunt. And uh, I know Alex had said he'd love to go hunt Osceola's, and so we lined it up and went to uh, South Florida, and uh, I think actually we were on the Seminole Indian Reservation. That's exactly where that big cypress. Yep, at, at, at uh, Billy's Big Swamp Cypress, uh, and uh, it was one of those places that uh, 
was special, filmed lots of hunts down there. And of course, we had uh, cameras for Turkey called television along. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in that place at, at, uh, at Big Cypress, man, I'll tell you what, there are all kind of exotic critters in there, too. Oh, wow. I mean, from ostriches to, you know, longhorn steers to, to <laughs> you name it. But uh, wow. we finally got on to an old gobbler and... Uh, you know, I'd, I'll let Alex sort of pick it up from there, but uh, we we called him in. But what I remember most was after the kill. Oh, I am man. anal about taking good pictures yes. of turkeys or whatever game it is we've taken because they they're due that kind of respect. Mm. And uh, anyway, I've had, I don't know how many occasions over the years to have taken a turkey or someone that I've called for taken a turkey in the close proximity of a junkyard. Well, we found this old abandoned car. Yep. And uh, I remember we put Alex inside like he's in the <laughs> driver's did. seat and had that turkey on the hood of the... <laughs> That's funny. And it was just really a cool shot. It you know, was. The kind of people say, where the heck were those guys at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in here and elaborate a little bit. I'll never forget, we found the birds, we walked into them, we set the decoys up, and... Uh, I was calling. You let me say, I go ahead and call. I called, and they responded, but they wasn't hot on me. And Rob pulled out this glass call and went to yelping on that glass call, and that turkey went inside out. The turkey wouldn't even pay attention to me. So he was the yelp. Once again, it's the yelp. <laughs> he was yelping on that glass call, and it had a ring to it. And those turkeys left the hens, flew down. You can see the hens way out there. Left the hens, two of them come up. And uh, I shot him. And, Rob, you killed one later that day. I did. Yeah. I but did. Rob is a great, great host and let me shoot the first turkey and shot. He taught me something. It's about frequency, about the sound, and that's why he carries so many calls in his desk. Now I do because not every call is going to work every time on a gobbler. And when they say calling doesn't matter, they're wrong because frequency and how you present the sound and when you talk to them – and not call to them, it makes a difference. You agree, Rob? And let's talk about oh, that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know, I do carry a lot of calls, but none of the calls that I carry are without having a high frequency. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. to have that high pitch. Mm-hmm. And the test that I always put to the call is, does it ring my ears? Mm-hmm. If it rings my ears, it's a candidate to go along in that vest. And, uh, you know, I go through calls, I guess, like most guys that mm-hmm. uh, are into calling, you know, every time before spring season opens, just going through and just sort of rechecking what, which call has the best ring. Mm-hmm. Some of these calls will actually change over time, mm-hmm. especially those with wood and other natural elements in them. That, you know, humidity, all kind of things can change that sound and that pitch. And so it's got to have high pitch. That's absolutely a critical part of any of the calls that I carry. Yeah. Now, you... you... If you guys have never heard Rob Kep yelp on a diaphragm, have you got a diaphragm handy or you don't? No, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to embarrass myself. You're not embarrassing <laughs> Oh, no, yourself. that would be me doing it. Trust <laughs> that, me. Trust me, that'd be Wayne or Redbone. Redbone tried to yelp on one time and he swallowed it. Yeah, I, I don't do mouth calls at all. Hey, it only costs 550 bucks to have one pumped out of your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> They, or or hey, free if you can wait a couple days. You're what Wayne said. He said free if you can wait a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, it'll tear you. Well, 
Well, you know, it's funny you talk about the high pitch sound because a lot of guys that hunt with me and that they'll go, why, you know, why are you using like this? Like we have the the one fifty uh, mouth call, M one fifty mouth call, and a lot of people say, well, that's like a beginner call because it's really easy to use. Just got the single cut in it, and for me, I like it because a it is easy to use, <laughs> you know, so, but uh, also because it gives you that high pitch sound. Yeah. So I carry basically two, only two mouth calls with me: one with a high pitch sound and one with a very raspy sound. Because if I got to bring a boss hen in, mm-hmm. to, because that gobbler won't leave her. I'll go. I'll switch over to that raspy. But you're right. That high pitch sound, for some reason, does separate it from uh, getting turkeys in that other calls don't do. Yeah, Rob, is there biology behind that? (laughs) (laughs) Some of these things I don't even try to analyze. I just know (laughs) that if it works, keep using it. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. No. No use to break. No use to change it if it's not broke. Right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, it is good to know or have knowledge about a lot of these things that we do when we hunt. But, uh, you know, some of them, I can't tell you why. I've heard a lot of different conjecture. But the most important thing is, does it work? And if it does, why not keep using it? Exactly. If you got something you got confidence in, use it. Absolutely. But we also want to encourage you to try different calls for your arsenal. And carry several different calls. Mm-hmm. My my number one locator call that I use, and I got, number one is the tube call. I run a tube call like crazy. I'm a tube call freak. Then the box. Oh, call. I love tube calls. Like then, I said, back yeah. in '69 is when I got onto that nickel snuff can down in Alabama. Hmm. Yeah, my brother Roy in, in the '60s was making snuff cans out of plastic pill bottles from Doctor O'Banion's office in Birch Street, Missouri. It didn't have a safety protection lid on it. You could just an old yeah, when they put the safety yeah. lids on there, they ruined. Two they cones. did. They did, and I've still got some of them. My brother Roy and brother Larry would make them. They'd cut them out half half moon out of them and take yep. a, a condom and stretch over it, or a balloon. I remember, and I tell this story. The first diaphragm I ever remember using, I was like four or five years old. And I remember they had the old pins woods. You remember them old pins woods, big as a horseshoe, and uh, my brothers Absolutely. would actually rebuild them every year and put new latex in them and use uh, duct tape or whatever for their tape. They'd rebuild them. And that was, I was born in 1964, so that was like 1969. My brother Larry, Larry Ozine Rutledge, is the oldest brother. There's 10 of us, uh, killed one of the first legal turkeys in Missouri in 1957 or 59, I believe. So our roots are go deep, Rob, and you knew that with my brothers and family sure. of turkey hunting here in the Ozarks. But uh, what I want to talk about now, Rob, let's talk about Bass Pro Shops, everything they got going on. We've got about two minutes, and talk about Bass Pro Shops real quick, how people can get connected with well, Wonders Outdoor. Well, I can tell you, Johnny Morris's commitment to conservation runs deep. I'm talking about a man that has given literally over $100 million to conservation over the last 30 years and is given it genuinely uh, with a with a heart that's as big as gold but he knows one thing that if you don't have wildlife Mm -hmm. if you don't have wild turkeys there's no need to try to sell camouflage or turkey guns Mm -hmm. he also knows that if there's no fish there's no market to sell fishing rods and so at the core of our company is the fact that conservation is number one and uh, he has made a commitment, a huge commitment, uh, in so many ways. In fact, we're the only company that has three full-time directors of conservation. And uh, we focus on many of the issues that uh, 
a lot of the NGOs and non-governmental organizations are dealing with, as well as the state and federal agencies. And uh, we provide testimony. We provide cash support, uh, much of it through our uh, Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Outdoor Fund. We fund lots of different grassroots projects, up to some that are that are quite huge. In fact, some of them almost a half million dollars per year. Wow. Another area of that conservation commitment is through the Johnny Morris uh, Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Mm -hmm. And it was voted two years ago the best new attraction in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right after that was voted the best aquarium in North America. And that was wow. a poll wow. that USA Today had made. And it's the only natural history museum in the world that is dedicated and acknowledges the contributions of hunters and anglers. Huge. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What a man, uh, what a true legend, uh, Mr. Johnny Morse as well. Yeah, yeah, hey, absolutely. I, I have a quick question for, for Redbone on this, see if he's going to agree with me on this. When you were talking about that hunt down there in... Um, for the Osceolas with uh, Alex and that. I'm, I'm going to just say this to Redbone. I myself find it shocking that Alex actually pulled the trigger on an Osceola. <laughs> now, and here's why. Because I was all saying, oh, yeah, this is great, until you mentioned one thing. And, uh, and Alex loves drumsticks uh, from a turkey. He loves drumsticks. Mm -hmm. But when you said there was ostriches there, <laughs> I had to think to myself, I bet you Alex will hold out for an ostrich because the drumsticks are bigger. <laughs> so the fact you got him to shoot an Osceola instead of an ostrich, hey, my hat's off to uh, you, Rob. You had to get me. Yeah, had to get hey, me. I'll tell you what, believe it or not, the, it was on another hunt down there uh, at that same location. The week before we got there, it was a turkey hunter was actually killed by one of those ostriches. Mm -hmm. Oh, those yep, things were sure was. Wicked. They are mean. Wicked, yep. They are mean. Yep. What a great show, Redbone. What a great show, Wayne. What a great show, Mr. Keck. Thank you for being on the show. And we have a slogan here at American Roots. And, again, we want to thank you for being a, a special guest on our show. And everybody, well, Thank you. And I want to just say as I close out uh, all of my television shows with Turkey Call and others, just thanks for answering the call, that call to wow. conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. Beautiful. And thank you for leading the way. Yeah, leading the way, man, being a pioneer. Here we have it. When your roots run deep and strong, everybody, there's no reason to fear the wind. American Roots, thanks for listening. <laughs>